Hello and welcome to another episode of the Inspire Club. Um, this podcast is supported by Waggle. Um, Waggle's an agile employee voice platform that uh, measures and truly improves engagement. Um, again, thank you to them for, for their support throughout 2020 and, and to early 2021. Um, they say third time's a charm. Um, there's been technical glitches at my end. Uh, I haven't actually admitted this to Joe, but we tried to record the podcast after the Inspirathon. Uh, a couple of weeks ago and um, we just couldn't get it working and I discovered that I had my microphone on mute. (laughs) Um, I was that tired, I had no idea that that's why Joe couldn't hear me. So apologies Joe Uh, and and that to our guest Joe Moffat, CEO and owner of Woodread Consulting um, and a lot of you will probably know her from her incredible work uh, and passion with engaged success, driving that mission forward for, I think it's coming up to 10 years um, uh, this year, I think. Um, I've, I've long respected and admired Jo uh, from afar, f- from all the work that she's done, and I can't believe we haven't really connected more than we've done in that t- in that time. So welcome to the podcast, Jo. <laughs> well, thank you, Matt. What a sweet introduction. Thank you so much. And um, how, how honest of you to admit to the muting of the mic. Is that not is that not the, the ongoing and recurring theme of 2020? You know, you're on mute. Oh, I, I couldn't believe it. I, I, I tried to diagnose the problem um, and, yeah, told Amy straight away when I you will not believe what's what I've just done <laughs> um, and then, then I slept for three days so it was um <laughs> yeah I yeah. bet you did I mean that inspired them was quite quite some marathon wasn't it yes yes um we were saying one and done um but we're already starting to think about maybe doing something uh, even more ambitious around the world for 20 in 24 hours next year so really? watch this space um okay. it's a brilliant Um, concept and um i i really don't envy the logistics of making that all happen so uh you know hats off to you well it's great to have have you and charlotte involved so thank you very much but let's get stuck into uh the first first rule and only rule of inspire club can you please share a story of of somebody who's personally inspired you in the world of work along the way and and why right yes i can i thought yeah i can and this goes back a while um uh, you were saying that um engage for success is 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 just entering its 10th year which it is and we're um in march this year we're going to begin a series of events to celebrate that a kind of rolling program of events actually um and engage for success has been going 10 years so that's a long time my own business woodread um uh, has been we actually celebrate our 30th year this year um, and before all of that, I was I was a kind of employee. So um, and I've I've gone way back to, to early an early experience because actually this was a seminal um, experience for me as a relatively young member of the workforce. Um, I was a I was working for Kimberly Clark as a as what they called then a salesman. Now, I mean that's quite interesting, isn't it? There literally was no job title that applied to female sales representatives at Kimberly Clark. We were called salesmen. That's shocking. <laughs> so I was a salesman and I was going around the country selling Kimberly Clark Kleenex products to uh, retail outlets. Anyway, the person that inspired me was a regional manager called Ray Hammond. I have no idea if he's still around or not, but he brought me in, he seconded me in to do a particular job of work that they had never 
never done before. And it was to try and do a pilot for a telemarketing, telesales operation. Um, and I and I did that. And I did that under his, his wing. It was his pilot. But he was brilliant. He inspired me because he put me forward to things that I would never otherwise have had the opportunity to do. He identified something in me that I didn't even know was there and, and sort of, you know, talked about me to people and exposed what we were doing to the people that mattered. Um, upshot of it was that uh, I was invited to do the, and this again, it sounds so old fashioned, but I was invited to do a toast of thanks at the annual sales conference. And um, I had, they had never had a female do it before ever. Um, and they, and I was the youngest person to do it as well. And I had to do this vote of thanks. I'd never even heard a vote of thanks. I didn't really know what a vote of thanks was, you know. And um, and Ray helped me, and he he helped me when I wrote the script, what I was going to say. He he guided me. He he helped and supported me. But all the way through that secondment, which took about two years, I guess, he was always there pointing me in the right direction and showcasing what we were doing to people. Consequently, I kind of moved up through the ranks pretty damn quick and it was all down to him. And I think that's what a great manager and a great leader does. And I look I look back on that with great gratitude, but also as a role model for how it should be done. Fantastic. Um, that's a fantastic story. And thank you, Ray, uh, for yeah. inspiring Joe. Uh, and what, what is a vote of thanks then? <laughs> well, well, indeed, what is a vote of thanks? You know, it, I wish I could remember what it, what I said. I, well, I do remember actually what I said. It was something about because it was a, it was a leap year that year, and I do remember that I took as my theme the fact that in leap years women could ask men to marry them, uh, and that we had the right to do that. But that rights don't come rights don't come. You don't just have a right. Rights come with with responsibilities too. Which God only knows what else I said. But anyway, it, it was it, it received a great. Uh, great uh, um, applause and I had lots of the sort of females who were all in marketing the only women who worked at Kimberly Clark in those days were in marketing or secretary or secretarial and um, it all came up to me after oh that was brilliant that was great it was inspiring so um, it, it, hopefully I inspired a few in my in my wake as well but yeah it was a long long time ago long long time ago we we but I bet it's as fresh as yesterday in your mind though yeah, 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 it is. It, it, yeah, lo- lots of uh, lots of reasons, but yes, it is. But but funny, the thing is, the funniest thing is, you know, that that no job title for a woman in a sales role. You had to be called. Oh, I can't believe that. That, that I've I've already made a note of making that quote to the. Uh... The, the clip that we promote around social media, I think, because I just that's just stunningly bad, isn't it? And and that it happens so. S- not that long ago. Well, um, I don't know. You don't know how old I am. Well, no. Um, uh, but it's, it's, it's really interesting to hear because we, we've just published the Ins- Inspiring Leaders, the, our first round of Inspiring Leaders from last year. It's a new thing that we've tried to do to focus on the individual rather than the organisation. And there are four characteristics that we we think create an inspiring leader. And this can, this can be debated until you know the end of time, but you know they 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 have humanity, um, they're courageous, they're great communicators, and they unleash your potential. And, and we had the ability to enter like the C suite and the, then the manager level, and then the unsung hero frontline level. And reading through them all, um, it, it started some themes started to come out, and actually the manager the at the manager level they seem to 
what was being said about them was that they really these were the people that were unleashing the potential of others um, more and uh, the, the C-suite was I had the courage but the manager level was that's they're the people who are just empowering and opening up the potential of the people around them and you discussing Ray just sounded like he unleashed that potential in you actually which is which is awesome <laughs> yeah, absolutely absolutely the potential i had no idea was there building belief and you know it's and and that stays with you as, as proven by your story and I, look, we, that's what we should try and keep building these people that build you know build belief in others and unleash their potential but, but um, isn't that the challenge of the manager that they're in that difficult team leader people manager they're in that really difficult position where they've got people below them and people above them and they're they're trying to manage manage up and they're trying to um bring their people on and unleash their potential and they're sort of being pulled in both directions so it's a you know it's a difficult it's a difficult place to be very difficult and very special people um and not not everybody's built that way as well so you know it's just um, an unfair position to put some people in um but i could talk about this for hours um but we want to talk about more about you um what what's your what's your personal why what 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 drives you on a daily basis um brands and workplaces and the kind of fusing of the two and anyone who knows me and anyone who's ever heard me speaking will know that I absolutely have a have a passion for brands and I also have a passion for making workplaces the best places they can be and you know that's not unique it's not unique there's an awful lot of us um, and particularly I'm sure an awful lot of people listening to your podcast and the work that you do at, at, at inspiring workplaces you know that's essentially something that drives a lot of us isn't it to make workplaces better places to be for all kinds of reasons, um, I, you know that drives me. But the bit, but the difference for me is that it's about bringing brands to bear inside and use the, the techniques and the tools and the power that brands have to engage people and that brands have to make our lives better. Um, you know, I have I have drunk the advertising industry Kool Aid, I think, but you know, <laughs> it's, it's been it's proven. You know, we engage with brands on an emotional level. In the in the in the external world uh, and in our personal lives, um, and it's such a missed opportunity not to use those same uh, approaches and techniques and, and and insights to engage our people with our with the brands for whom they work, and use that power of that brand and the power of brands inside organisations to help make workplaces better places to be. We can bring the two things together. Um, goodness, you know, we spend so much time. Working. I'm not going to say now we spend so much time at work in the workplace because the workplaces have, you know, fragmented somewhat, haven't they? But you know, our engagement with our with the brands with whom we work um, really can lift us and make make the working day um, very, very much more enjoyable and um, you know a better place to be wherever it is, whether it's at the kitchen table or in your bedroom or in a in a commercial building somewhere. And oh, I, I could I couldn't agree more. I, I came originally to this this world from from building advocacy, and 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 that's what brands do. You know, you're building advocacy in the people you're communicating it to, uh, and you know, so you're li- living and breathing the brand. And for all the different benefits that that has, um, you know, one of our first ever um, employee engagement award winners in North America was was Ford, and they they had really built a. a, a a fantastic inter- internal brand, although I think there should not be internal, external, but a brand. Um, Agree. 
<laughs> and and by doing that, their biggest selling car of that year in North America was put down purely to the friends and family scheme because they was they built such a fantastic brand and people were communicating it out beyond the workplace and it's had real business benefits to that. So um, I'm a huge uh, I'm a huge believer in everything that you do and um, that's why I can't believe we've not had conversations like this much <laughs> much earlier. Oh, I don't know why is that. I've got no idea. But there you go. We've, we've put that right now, haven't we? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, put it in the past as well. So moving forward. Um, so what what's in your mind? What's a major workplace priority right now, and and why? Um, well, if I'm going to be if I'm going to be flippant and talk personally about my my major workplace priority right now, and I'll start with that and then I'll broaden it out. My major workplace priority is that I'm currently my home office is um, my youngest son's bedroom, um, but he's, he's left home, and um, in fact, it was not used by him as his bedroom for quite some years before he he left home. Um, as he worked his way up through the other kids' bedrooms, so this is the this is the the smallest child's smallest bedroom, and the wallpaper is Simpsons wallpaper. So my major workplace priority, personally, is to redecorate my home office and get rid of bars. It's <laughs> a good one. Um, so that's that. But generally, in, in if we talk workplaces in the in the broader context, what I think the I think the biggest priority now. And of course, during last year, it was about re- reaction. It was about responding. It was about how on earth are we going to deal with this unprecedented? Oh my God, I used the word, the business bingo word, unprecedented. And <laughs> <laughs> um, right, put, put some money in the square box for that. But anyway, you know, we, last year we were we were kind of having to get to grips with everything. We were having to think about what, what we were trying to do and to, to um, this sort of seismic shift that happened in workplaces. And I think the priority now, is, and, and, you know, not, saying people don't recognize this is that it's not about to change anytime soon so it's about saying well how do we start to really proactively and intentionally make sure that we can create and maintain the kind of workplace cultures that we had already been making when we were all working together how do we how do we really keep that alive and build that how do we give new starters who've never had that experience, who've never had the benefit of learning the culture through osmosis? How do we give them that sense when they never met their colleagues and they're working remotely? Um, so it's, I think the priority is saying, in how do we maintain and build a sense of who we are, what we're about, what we're for, what our values are, how we behave when we are scattered? Um, you know, and, and um, I think organisations who've traditionally had frontline workforces or remote workforces are probably one step ahead of those who have found themselves being forced into the position of having to deal with a dispersed workforce. But the challenges are the same. But I think that's what we've got to do. We're no longer in kind of um, holding pattern mode um, and, and sort of survival mode of what we were doing last year. We now need to be saying, well, look, this isn't about to change any time soon. The future is going to be totally different. It's going to be a hybrid. And we need to be very intentional about how we do that and what we do. We can't just let serendipity deliver what it what it does, you know, or what it will. We've got to take control of that. 
Yeah, it's you know I'm probably about to use another one of those bingo terms, but you need you need to be embrace change now. You you can't hide away from it and stay with what you've always done, um, which was not the path anyway. <clears throat> but now, but especially now, you have to embrace it. And here we go. You have you have to become more agile. So that that's 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 the other word. You know that's very popular right now. But but true. Um, um, so this is this is probably my favourite question outside of the the first rule of, of Inspire Club, and and, and what, it's the best advice you were ever given, and who was it from? Okay, um, it's it, this this is from somebody that I have known a very very long time, uh, but this advice um, was given to me actually on a Zoom call over Christmas, so it's pretty recent. Um, so I have been um, lucky enough to have as a, a friend for most of my life um, a lady called Edwina Dunn, and she is the was the one of the co-founders of Dunn Humby, who are data marketing specialists, and she went, created the Tesco Club card, yeah, yeah. All, of, all of that. So customer loyalty, you know, goes through her veins. But anyway, she and I were at school together, and we've been friends. Cool. And um, she, so she founded Dunhumby. Um, she subsequently, with her partner Clive Humby, um, went on to uh, create other businesses as well. But her major thing at the moment is a, a not-for-profit organisation called the Female Lead, uh, which you may have heard about, which is really all about inspiring and uplifting women and girls to yeah. their potential. And I think it's, I've seen that on LinkedIn. Yeah, absolutely. It's become a massive, massive movement um, and really, really successful. And that's that's that was something that Edwina um, developed. And anyway, she and I were chatting over Christmas over Zoom about business and work and life and you know all that stuff as you do. And and she said, so she's been her she's run her own businesses for years as as have I. And she was saying. You just have to keep going. And, and, you know, given the given what we've all been facing in the last 12 months, for lots of people, it's been a very difficult year. For people running their own businesses and being self-employed or freelancers or contractors or anybody, many of whom have fallen through the gaps of the government support, um, it's not been an easy time. And, it, you know, it's been challenging to say the least. And the words she used, she said to me, you know, you just, you just go on, don't you? And, and it's go on. You just keep on going. You just focus. And that was, to me, the best bit of it, advice isn't quite, quite the word. You know, I was probably nuanced the question a little bit. But it was the best observation on the, the world of running your business, being self-employed, being a contractor. You just go on. You have ups, you have downs, you have days when you wonder why you're doing it, and you just go on. Um, it's tenacity, persistence, perseverance are the marks that set you apart from the people that fall by the wayside. And I, I thought that was, you know, that just that go on, just, you know, keep on doing it, waking up morning and going on um it was uh, was a was a very very good observation and i like that well, well thank you edwina I, I think i think that's great advice just for life as well um i i am a as people will probably know now i'm a massive student of history and um there's a there's a churchillian quote for everything um um although he's not you know a, a flavor of the month anymore um 
uh, you know, he said, if you're going through hell, keep going. Um, and that kind of reflects just go on. And um, my, my, my dad has a poem or my grandfather had a poem that then gave to my dad and I've now got that's all about persistence as well. And, you know, oh, so really? uh-huh. yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll send a photo of the, the copy of it to you because it's, it's uh, it's it's really it's really inspiring for want of a better word. Um, and you, in times of trouble and challenges, if you just keep going, it's amazing you'll get out the other side. Yeah, so. absolutely. absolutely. I mean, there's that there's that um, quote, isn't it? Trite quote. And I, I won't be able to do it exactly word for word, but it's about entrepreneurs and tech or tech entrepreneurs particularly. But um, the, you know the 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 road of failed tech startups is littered with people who gave up the day before they were about to make it. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> only we knew when that day was. That was. <laughs> well, and, and and we were talking just before we got on the call. You know, um, I won't won't embarrass her by name here, but my 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 wife took a had you know a very challenging twelve months. Was a contractor had it axed overnight when COVID hit, um, and then. I took a job that really didn't like was was below her pay grade and skill set, but and it has come out the other side with, with another fantastic contract. But it, it was been an incredibly hard nine months for her, and I'll be forever deeply grateful for putting the, you know the family first. And um, uh, but she, you know, she just as you said went on, um, and now out the other side, it's just one of those things that you've you've done and got through. Absolutely. <laughs> um, Absolutely. You know, and and you know we're we're going to be trying to upgrade our home office as well. So you know she's now working for home, so has our home office, and I'm down with the dog. So <laughs> um, so we're we're hopefully going to build something out out in the back garden at some stage, and you know have that moving forward if anything like this ever happens again. So absolutely, um, good plan. But thank you, thank you to Edwina and and for you to sh- for sharing that. I think it's fantastic advice. Um. um what should we ask? I think what, what's one of your go-to productivity tricks when you need to get things done? Um, it's two. My fir- my first one, um, and the, the one that I kind of use the most is it's literally an old school to do list. Uh, you know, literally sitting down with a piece of paper and a pen and writing to do at the top and underlining it and writing all the things out and working through it and physically crossing them off. There's nothing more cathartic than that for me. And it helps me to make sure that I don't uh, forget things. But I mean, you know, it's nothing, there's nothing, nothing clever in that, is there at all? But the one thing that I used to uh, find really, really works for lots of other people in, in, in the sort of the wider team um, when people would say to me, but Joe, I don't know where to start. And, and, you know, you could see people starting to get a bit wobbly about the size of their to-do list, you know. Um, and it's the, it's what's known as the Eisenhower grid. And, and it's just such a really, really simple little four-box four grid. Are you familiar with it? I don't know whether our listeners, your listeners will be or not. I, I'm not, and I'm scribbling it, scribbling down Eisenhower grid as you talk. So I'm waiting to find out about this. It's the simplest little thing. So you just draw yourself a little grid, four square, four box grid, and in one corner you write important, and in another corner you write unimportant, and in the other corner you write um, urgent, and um, then the other corner. Hang on, I've got this wrong, haven't I? I messed it up. Okay, so bear with me, Matt. Bear with me, Matt. Okay, okay. So there's four grids. So something is either not urgent and not important, 
urgent and important, urgent and not important, important and not urgent. Right. That's the correct four squares. All right. So things, everything on your to-do list fits in one of those one of those four grids. It has to, by definition. Um, and you simply say, right, the things that are not urgent and not important, they will be, I will just put them to one side. And you may never get there. You may never get to them, but they're not important and they're not urgent. But you focus, first of all, on the urgent and important. And you work, you, you, when, when you're sort of panicking about, well, where do I start? You kind of look at the things you've got to do and say, well, what fits in which grid? And actually, we, we can usually identify where we should apply our priority. But yeah, Eisenhower grid, really, really simple. And, um, I, I, the reason I couldn't remember it is because I haven't got it stuck to my computer monitor anymore, but I used to have a little small one of them stuck with blue tack to the top of my computer screen. Um, in fact, everyone in Woodreed did. And um, it was there, it was what you would look at and decide how, where, you, where you were going to apply your efforts first. No, it's fantastic. I'm going to uh, I'm going to go look that up straight off after after this chat. So um, nothing wrong with to do lists. Um, I think Mr. Branson uh, is a massive fan of of those, and he's he's done okay uh, in in the past. He's not, not, not done too bad. He's not done too badly. Um, and I've uh, I, I'm a I'm a massive fan of, of to do lists. I've tried to I've tried everything to get out of doing to do to do lists in my pad and on my paper and. I just keep coming back to them. Uh, I find them extremely helpful. Um, and then uh, one of our previous uh, uh, guests, Lisa Hager, um, she she said MIT, the most important task, uh, which is like leaning towards the Eisenhower grid. And I, I started to employ that each morning going, okay, if I, what's the most important thing? And I do that first. <laughs> um, so I, you know, I'm, I'm, and I'm going to go print this grid onto my computer sc- computer screen too. So thank you so much for sharing that. You know, you know, it's got a name. So yeah, I know, lo- loving it, absolutely loving it. I'm learning so much. Thank you. Um, so um, I think la- last one in, in the world of work, and then we'll get into more some some more like more Joe questions. Um, What's the most important quality in a leader? Do you think? What, what, what's that? Yeah. What is the most important quality? Okay, we, we we sort of touched on this at the beginning, didn't we? When we were when we were picking up on um, your series about inspiring leaders, and we we're talking about the role of leaders or managers, people people leaders, people managers. Um, so we talked about some of those qualities, and certainly the the, the capacity to bring out the potential of your people, draw out the potential of your people, I think is really, really important. But I think that if if we were to add to that, the most important quality in a leader is humility, knowing that you never stop learning. I think that that is really important. And to do that, you need to listen. So it's it's listen and never stop learning and knowing that you never will, I think is important key thing that's that, that that's that's fantastic um I, I i suppose you do things you relate to don't you so i always try and relate i i can understand when you look at a sports person you know somebody like i don't know roger federer who's like almost 40 and um, nothing like there's anything wrong with being almost 40 just saying um uh, and He's constantly trying to improve, and he's won everything <laughs> so many times. And and his new ways of doing things, and or rebuilding a swing, or and you're going, 
where's that where's that come from you know that that drive and so i i i love the idea of humility and never stop learning so therefore and you have to listen to to learn uh, i think that's a fantastic trait and um one that i don't think we've really heard about on this um on this podcast and probably that we've really thought about in our inspiring leader series and we might try and work that into it actually because i think we have listening um but humility is a, is a great word um that captures a really important essence of a, of a leader so yeah thank you very much for that um so changing it up changing it up a bit like we always do um uh, you know, you've, you've shared some expertise and insights into the world of work um, that we're all passionate about. But more on the on the on the personal side, um, if you were a, a school teacher, um, what would you teach? Well, it would have to be history, and it would have to be history for two reasons. One, because that's what I've got my degree in, um, and I lo- it's a subject I love, and I never tire of. Um, and I was inspired by fabulous history teachers at school to love the subject so i would love to be able to pass some of that on but i there's an important really important point in addition to that and why is i think the study of history today is probably one of the most important subjects schools can teach because it teaches people to evaluate sources it teaches people to assess whether they can trust that information, whether they can trust what they're reading, whether they can trust that source. And I am desperately disturbed by the extent to which in our current media climate, our current political world, people seem to be unable to apply critical reasoning to what they're being told or what they're reading. And I feel that if we only taught history more widely and better and rigorously uh, taught people to evaluate their sources, um, then our democracy might be in a better place. Hear, hear. Um, and again, I'm loving getting to know you more. Um, I studied and history at university as well. Um, Did you? Yeah, <laughs> um, massive, massive history nerd. Uh, all, all my, all my life, my grandfather was a historian. Um, so, and and I, and I've always advocate um, back when I to try and give some cred- credibility to the, the degree. I, I said history actually enabled you to to have a balanced argument and um, and to work out the pros and cons of things. Um, because obviously it's not that can't really apply it. It's not you know a good. Um, you can't. It's not like a law degree or something like that. History, um, but for what you've said, critical reasoning, um, I yeah fundamentally agree with. Um, that's why it's for me. It's been such a challenge the past four years um, and culminating over the past six months, um, because history, if you do look back, you can learn lessons. And I was getting very, very scared that we we're about to go down a path that we'd already been down. <laughs> um, and we're, we're not out of the woods by any means. But um, yeah, um, I, I could not agree more with everything you've said and um, making scribbling notes around critical reasoning as well. Um, really important that people just look up many different sources and trying to work out what's going on between the lines uh, more and more rather than the echo chambers that we exist in. 
yeah, why why is somebody saying what they're saying, and have they got a have they got an agenda for what they're saying, and you know, therefore, does that impact impact the extent to which we should trust what they're saying? All of that kind of stuff, and, and that does impact the work because I think it, if that bleeds more into the workplace, you know, we, to not uh, it's hard, very hard to not, not be cliched when you try to be succinct, but more unites us than divides us, and like ninety percent of the time we agree on most things as as people, and uh, it's become about the ten percent of stuff that people are just trying to make us a bit black and white and yes and no and you're right or wrong and it's we we, we shouldn't be living like that so yeah absolutely you know <laughs> um you know um so but anyway uh for, for a one word answer uh, i could definitely have, to have a conversation with you for for hours about that so um um so early bird or night owl oh night owl really okay yeah. Cool. Yeah. cool yeah i'm not good in the morning and, and and we'll never we'll never hold you to this because it's an impossible question. But what what's your favourite album and what song do you put on if you need to fire yourself up to do some work or go for a run or? Okay. Um. Well, it it has to be um pretty much anything by the Boss to be honest, Matt. So I'm a, I'm a fanatical Springsteen fan. I've been to see him ten times live, and I just love him. And he's the soundtrack to my life. So many of his songs are just absolutely the right song for the moment so um goodness me i mean he did land of hope and dreams at the inauguration last week which was the absolute perfect song for the moment you know he, yeah. he is he is the ultimate songwriter for the for the words that fit the mood so what do i listen to if i really want to fire myself up then you can't beat born to run <laughs> i'm sorry i'm laughing but the boss I, I in my in my office that is now occupied by my wife um i have like an a0 canvas of the cover of the born to run album with uh the the, the boss and uh clarence clemens um and, and ivy's going do i need to keep looking at springsteen all day when he's not coming down <laughs> um <laughs> So that's that's fantastic. And Born to Run now goes into our, our ever-growing Spotify playlist that we'll publish later in the year of songs to fire up whilst working. So I'm so happy the boss has made an appearance. So. Oh, well, he couldn't, he couldn't not if you're talking to me. But there was talking about that front cover of Born to Run. I know you've, you've, you've seen all the, all the memes going around in the last week or so of Bernie Sanders getting onto everything and being incorporated into everything. And there's a fabulous version of the cover of Born to Run with him on there. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, he look, it, yeah, I just would love to be Bruce Springsteen. Like in that, on that cover, he looks so cool. He's so cool. Um, <laughs> um, I tried to get to Springsteen on Broadway, but it was just they're too expensive. So I just, I ended up watching it on Netflix. It was still incredibly enjoyable. So it was, it was a fabulous show, wasn't it? Yeah, I would have loved to have gone to see that, but it was yeah, a bit out of the out of reach. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah, he did. Yeah, very. Yeah, very expensive. Um, what what's what's the funniest thing that's happened to you recently uh, that you can? Yeah, like I can share. Mm. Gosh, I don't know. I mean, you laugh all the time, don't you? Really, it's like if you don't laugh, life is pretty dismal. So, um, yeah, we're we're laughing a lot about stuff at home. But um, I think the thing that unexpectedly made me laugh was actually on on Christmas night um, because we we didn't have the same kind of Christmas we normally would have, as I'm sure many many people listening to this um didn't either 
And um, rather than having my, my, I've got three, three sons and they've, they've all left home, but rather than had one here at Christmas and the other two couldn't come home, um, and rather than having them here, uh, we all connected on Christmas night with our respective households, um, they with their, with their girlfriends and, and us. So we had a sort of three-way Zoom session. And given all the, you know, Zoom has become the, uh, the mandatory for communication, and we all talk about Zoom fatigue and spending hours and hours on Zoom fatigue, uh, on Zoom and, 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 and becoming a Zoom zombie and all the rest of it. Um, it was the, it was the, we had the best laugh I can remember in ages. I mean, tears crying down my face because we were doing, we were doing games over Zoom and they were ridiculous games. And each, each boy, each son had decided, come up with a game of some sort. So there were three rounds and it was just, yeah, it was just hysterical. I mean, maybe, maybe it was because it was towards the end of Christmas day and, and um, drink had been taken. I don't know, but it was the, it was the funniest experience I can remember. The funniest sustained experience I can remember in a very, very, very long time, um, which are probably on a par with the tears that streamed down your face when you listen to Billy Connolly, I think. Yeah, fantastic. Well, it's put a smile on my face hearing that, actually. Um, <laughs> but household chores, what, what do you leave hoping somebody else might have to do it? Um, well, um, I have to put my hands up and say I'm really not a great person for the household chores. Um, we, in our household, we did a... A, a role swap many many years ago so when my first child was born um, my husband has brought our kids up um, and been the sort of domestic engineer I think we'll call it rather than house husband awesome. uh, so I tend to sort of back off of those things but we I like I, there's, a, there's a philosophy about household chores that I, I rather like and that I was introduced to by my husband um, Steve told me about it I'm sure it's just an excuse for him to not do anything um, but he cites Quentin Crisp, and Quentin Crisp apparently was a great believer in the fact that if you left dust for seven years, it would never get any worse. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. It seems a reasonable philosophy to me. So. I had that question thrown back at me, and I couldn't come up with an answer, but dusting has just definitely hit the top of the list, actually, because I, 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 can't, I can't see it. People will come in and go, oh, my God, how dusty is this room? And I, I genuinely can't can't see the dust. So, um, yeah, well, you are a male, and males genuinely can't see dust. Yeah. <laughs> um, awesome. No, that's that's great. Um, favourite film, that not the best film, but your favourite film that you can just throw on and watch? Oh, well, my favourite film of all time ever in the history of the universe is The Godfather. Oh, awesome. Okay. Um, love it. I mean, okay, probably not the greatest exponent of employee engagement. Um, no. You know, probably a tad command and control, but, you know, I love it. It's fabulous, fabulous film. Always will be. Yeah, so you're not torn between the first and the second one? It's 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 the original? Oh, no, no. No, it's the original. It's the original, definitely. Yeah, it's an it, epic film. I, I got lent that on a videotape from the stock, a guy in the stock room I was working with at Debenhams years ago, uh, first job. And I we, we'd done a stock take, and I, I went home at midnight, and I put it on, um, and I just remember being fully awake till half two, three in the morning, just going, this is one of the greatest things I've ever watched. <laughs> um, stunning. Um uh, so, um, best place in the world that you visited? Sydney, Australia. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, no question. Love it, love it, love it. Um, 
can't 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 be that place um and finally um i've had absolutely fantastic chat but the last 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 question um who would you nominate for us to go and get onto the inspire club um right the the, the person i would nominate because i think she would be really interesting to talk to and i think your listeners would find her really interesting to talk to as well and i find her an inspiring colleague is Lorna Leeson. And Lorna began, I first got to know Lorna um, years ago when we were doing work with Volkswagen Group and Lorna was in their HR team. And we were doing internal comms and employer brand and um, supporting their recruitment campaigns and so on back then. And I first got to know Lorna then. Um, she then went to a logistics company called what were, who were then called Norbert d'Entresangle, a French logistics company with big red trucks. Um, they're now XPO Logistics. But uh, she was she was an HR business partner there, and we continue to do a lot of work with, with Lorna um, in that situation uh, around um, culture and values and behaviours and um, employee engagement and, and so on. Um, she's now... Um, actually become a friend and she's actually jumped ship and now works as a HR contractor. Um, but she's a, a, a former client, um, now very much a, a, a friend, but also um, joins us on the Hive. We have a, we have a Hive, uh, what we call the Hive at Madrid, which is a, a little short sort of, not, not quite a podcast, more a video cast and short Twitter clips. Um, where we look at a particular topic each episode um, in terms of how can we help people get through the pandemic from an internal comms perspective, employee engagement perspective or HR perspective. And we pick a topic each 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 episode to explore with our little panel on the hive, a bit like a bit like the uh, the panel that you had on your Workplace Aspire on last week. Oh, OK, yeah. And Vita. Yeah. Um, very, very similar. There's, there's usually three or four of us on the panel and we pick a topic and we talk about it in, in, in sort of short bite-sized chunks with practical tips and advice. And Lorna is part of that Hive panel. And she's always got something worthwhile to say. She's always got something worth listening to. Um, and she's great fun uh, as well. And so I would um, like to see Lorna Leeson on your podcast in the future. Fantastic. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll try our best. Uh, if you can put in a good word, that'd be great. <laughs> I will uh, awesome. So, look, I I've thoroughly uh, enjoyed our conversation. I'm sure everybody listening has has done too. Um, have you got anything else to add before we uh, sign off? No, not really, Matt. Um, other than to say, actually, when you said you're sponsored by Waggle, that's that's great to hear. Waggle, um, we we love Waggle at Woodread. We were probably one of the first people in the UK to start using them, and we've been working with Waggle for years now, uh, using their platform to. Um, to really listen to employee voice and to get insights really quickly as to what people are thinking and what people are, were feeling. So I didn't know that they were sponsoring you, but it's great to hear that they are because um, I think it's a fabulous product. One plug <laughs> So Yes, so do, so do we. And uh, thanks again to them. Um, as I say, 
awesome conversation. I'm glad we made it happen third time. I didn't have the mute button on. And um, we'll be back with more episodes of the Inspire Club. Uh, things coming up for Inspiring Workplaces are our awards uh, deadlines the 24th of March around the world. Um, and we have a lot coming uh, throughout 2021 and 2022 uh, and, c- and can't wait to, to bring that to you. But for now, thanks again to Joe. Thank you for listening and we'll be back very soon. Take care. Bye-bye.